catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Yes, sir. Let's find me sure I'm on the right page. <laughs> so, welcome back to another Wisco Fanatics Wednesday. We are live talking about Wisconsin and Purdue, Wisconsin and Minnesota, and then we have four Bucks games to get into. We want to make sure that we get everything done in time for everybody to watch the Badgers' first Big Ten tournament game tonight. That game starts at 5.30, so we want to make sure we have enough time to get uh, get done before that game starts. So, Jake, let's jump right into it. Uh, give me your power pair and your underrated performer for the Badgers. I know it's only two games, but still. Yeah. Uh, so, my power pair, I picked uh, Chucky Hepburn uh, and mm-hmm. Tyler Wall. Um, Chucky Hepburn was – Consistent this week, had 12 points and 13 points respectively in both games, averaging 12 and a half, two rebounds, one and a half assists. He shot, what's up, Isaac? He shot 45% from the field, which isn't which isn't good. Let's just be honest. But he got a lot of good looks. So I'm not, not bad for college. True. Uh two of five from me on the arc, so that's not bad either. Tyler Wall, I mean, we're gonna get into the Minnesota game, but him and Stephen Crowell uh absolutely own that game inside. Um, I also think the reason that I also picked Crowell is his energy versus Purdue was fucking fantastic. Him running over mm. to the double teams and getting back to the weak side. So I thought he was good in that game. You know, uh, he shot the exact same uh, field goals, attempts, and percentage as Chucky Hepburn. They were both 10 for 22, oh, so 45%. Nice. Um, and then my my underrated performer was Stephen Crowell. Um, he did ha- didn't have the greatest statistical game against Purdue, but – He's mm-hmm. fighting Zach Eady, a guy that is probably the player of the year, and he's a gigantic probably. mountain. So I give him respect for fighting and doing the best that he could. And, again, him and um, Tyler Wall owned the Minnesota game. So shout out to him. He was 10 of 18, 55% from the field this week. So all three of those players are going to be vital tonight and going mm-hmm. forward when we look forward to going 3-0 versus Iowa. <laughs> Definitely. Um so I went with Chucky Hepburn for one of mine, and I put on here the dagger three that he hit against Minnesota. We'll get into that when we get to the Minnesota game. Mm-hmm. Um, for my other power pair, I kind of cheated, but it's for a reason. Uh, I put Tyler Wall and Stephen Crowell together because they both did struggle, like you said, against Purdue offensively, mm-hmm. but they both had short memories and huge bounce-back games against mm-hmm. Minnesota. And the thing with Minnesota, and I'll get into it after we talk about the game and I read off the totals, their totals are the exact same. Yep. They're the exact same. So we'll get into that. My underrated performer, I went with Greg Gard. Love it. Um, so the Badgers did lose to Purdue, but however, they did hold Purdue 10 points underneath their scoring average for the season. And that, <clears throat> coupled with how much they just pounded the absolute hell out of the paint in the Minnesota game, mm-hmm. that to me, that's... That's Greg Gard saying, hey, pound the paint, pound the paint, pound the paint. Like they're not accidentally shooting their first three 16 minutes into the second half as the shot clock expires. That's not an accident. I haven't written down the exact moment, but um, Josh, we did it two weeks ago. We did 
our brewer's primer. We have that pinned. You can find it on YouTube. Otherwise, we did the whole thing. We got the record prediction on there. So it's we got all the year's prediction on there. Yep. Bold predictions. Right. We got lineup predictions. Mm-hmm. We did it. We did it all. That was a fun. That was a fun primer. That was good. All right. Let's start with the Purdue game. What stood out to you from the Badgers against Purdue? So I'm going to give a shout-out real quick to Isaac Lindsay. He played great off the bench. Um, The bench scored 14 points in this game at four rebounds, two assists, so the bench was helping out. The Badgers' defense was was phenomenal. Um, You can't ask for much more. They did a very good job taking Edie out of his rhythm, um, kind of helped Purdue out of their rhythm. We had a chance to win this game. And the difference is we just didn't make shots down the stretch. Um, we were making shots, but another thing that really, really killed us, now that I'm thinking about it, sorry, my brain is jumbled. We got killed on the boards. Zach yeah. Eady had 19 rebounds. We had yep. 23 as a team. That's yep. not good. Um, the empty trips <clears throat> after we took the lead, like I said before about Chucky Hepburn, mm-hmm. he, got a, he got a lot of good looks. And it's not just him, and I'm not blaming him, not putting it all on him. He got a lot of good looks, you know, the baseline step backs. We had open three-pointers. I mean, we, we were missing a lot of opportunities that if you're a team that's going to beat the number five team with the player of the year in your house, you have to make those shots. And the, the Badgers just didn't make those plays. That's okay. But they still have a chance to make the dance. After this game, everybody was like, oh, man, Badgers are not going. Badgers are not going. Even after the Minnesota game, we got pushed to the first four out. But it's like – we still have a chance. I mean, it starts tonight, right? And and we started mm-hmm. a hashtag not too long ago. But um, just wanted to point out, the Badgers definitely feel like one of those teams that plays up to their competition. That's fair. That's definitely fair, especially that's definitely a fair takeaway for this game. First thing that I noticed was, you called this out last week, is that Tyler Wall needs a mid-range game. And it was extremely apparent in this game and if he does decide to return next season I think that's going to be something that could really take his game to the next level for whatever he wants to do with basketball after college Uh, getting a mid-range game would make a big difference it would have made a big difference in this game with Zach Eady guarding him for a majority of the beginning of this game Zach Eady's just standing in the paint while Tyler Wall's 15 feet away from the basket and Tyler Wall's not taking a couple man just just shoot it just shoot. Yeah. Um, so that coupled with um, getting um, Zach Eady, what I was talking about last week was trying to get Zach Eady into some foul trouble, maybe, which the Badgers did much better against Minnesota, getting them in foul trouble. But mm-hmm. when Zach Eady comes off the floor, you have to know that that's the time to start attacking the paint. Yeah. So that was something that I noticed. Force Purdue to put him back in the game and maybe tire him out. If you can't get him in foul trouble, see if you can get him in some some conditioning trouble. A guy that big is not breathing easy if he's got to play 17 minutes in the first half. True that. <laughs> so, yeah, that was part of what I thought with that. Um, seeing a 52-second possession um, end in a three-pointer for – Connor or Cotter is Connor is Sejan started with um, Carter Gilmore jumping to save the ball from going out of bounds. Kamari McGee saving the ball from going out of bounds, um, getting that 52 second possession. 
um, to end in a turnover for Purdue, that was huge for the batters. That's just a momentum play that doesn't show up in the stat sheet. Um, next possession after that, Jordan Davis hit a three-pointer, gave the batters a 10-8 to lead, and then Zach Eady came out of the game, and that's where I'm saying, you know, when the big guy's out of the game that's preventing you from going to the paint is out, go to the paint. Make it apparent that he's not on the floor. So that, like I said, you can force the hand of Purdue. If you know if the Badgers find a way to face Purdue in the Big Ten tournament, maybe that's something they take away from this game. Um, later in the first half, Tyler Wall did a great job uh, in the double team as Zach Eady's kind of backing down and he's kind of looking for Tyler Wall to come from that opposite side and steal the ball from Zach Eady, take the ball down in transition. Jordan Davis got a three out of that. That's, that's just, um, you know, it's... It's a momentum play, like you said. Um, the next possession after that, Tyler Wall hit a three. It's a rare occasion. Um, <clears throat> turnovers hurt the Badgers a little bit in the first half. And then Isaac Lindsay, like you said. He will be back in a second. Sorry about that. There he is. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with my camera. It's bothering me. Okay. There you are. <laughs> I don't I don't know. Whatever. I'm just not even gonna deal with it. Anyways, <laughs> Isaac Lindsay gave the Badgers a spark plug in the first mm-hmm. half. And here's here's the thing. And I, this is, you know, every single game, people that want Greg Guard fired are gonna find reasons to ask the question, why didn't Guard do this? He should be fired because he didn't. <laughs> and this game it was Isaac Lindsay. How many people were clamoring for Isaac Lindsay to get playing time before this? Probably like five, maybe in the entire state. Yeah, <laughs> his family. Um, we have we have one woman that watches the show. Her name's Shauna. She's a big Isaac Lindsay fan. She's been clamoring for him to get lots of playing time. She's a big Isaac Lindsay fan, but that's fine. Um, I didn't mention your name, Isaac. Try to put words in my mouth, Isaac. <laughs> um, but then all of a sudden he's he has a good first half in one game, and people are claiming that he needs to be playing over who? Who do you put him in over? I don't know, but apparently he's the next Devin Harris. I, I don't take him out for, for Connor Asijin. I don't take him out for Chucky Hepburn. I don't take him out for Max Klesman. And you're playing Purdue, so you're not taking Tyler Wall or Stephen Crowell out of the game. Who do you play him over? I don't know. He was really just giving Chucky or Connor a breather at that moment. Yeah, so. and that's and that's great. That's all you can ask for from him. Mm-hmm. So there was – I was pretty close. It was three minutes and ten seconds in the second half um, before the Badgers oh, – that was rough – before the Badgers scored in the second half. Um, Max Klesman layup cut the lead to one. Connor Asijan hit a three that gave the Badgers a 35-34 lead. Uh, Max Klesman hit a three over Zach Eady that gave the Badgers a 38-34 lead. It was part of an 11-1 run. And then the Badgers missed four straight threes. So were you talking about making shots? This is one of those things where the game comes down to, you know, a one-possession game. But these stretches, so this is from the 11.36 to 10.43 mark. This is less than a minute. The Badgers missed four straight three-pointers. They had good looks, too. Purdue took that time to pull back even at 45. The game was tied again at 50. Uh, Max Klesman hit a three and a layup that gave the batters a, a one-point lead. 
and then Purdue and Wisconsin traded some buckets. And then over the last two minutes and 43 seconds, the Badgers missed their final four field goals. So that's like you said, you know, it's just those stretches, just yeah. those stretches, those just it, – it's what it comes down to. And against the number five team in the country, you can't have those stretches and win one possession games. 100%, dude. So Zach Eady, like you mentioned, had the 19 rebounds. He only had 17 points, which is six below his average, so kind of held him in check. Yeah. Um, held Purdue 10 points under their average. Just needed to shoot better. The Badgers were 39.7% from the field. Yeah. It's, it's just got to be better. Um, the Badgers were at 10 of 24 from the three-point line, which is encouraging. But just missing that, that one-minute stretch and towards the end of the game, that's that's what hurt, and that's what ended up leading them to lose the game. Um, Max Klausman had a fantastic game, 19 points, four rebounds and three steals. Um, Chuck, Chucky Hepburn at 13 points. Isaac Lindsay had the eight. Um, seeing some of the field goal shooting was a little discouraging. And like I said, you know, this is where it needs to be better. Um, Chucky Hepburn, five for 12. Connor Seijin, three for eight. Tyler Wall, two for 11. Stephen Crowell, one for five. Johnny David, Jordan Davis, damn it. That's two weeks in a row now that I did that. Jordan <laughs> Davis, one for three. And Kamari McGee, 0 for three. Like you said, they had good looks. They just they just got to knock those down. Um, Isaac said Klesman was playing with momentum. I think that's just kind of the player that he is. I think he is just a momentum player. Like I, I feel like he's one of those guys that gets better as the game goes on and he feeds off the energy of the game. I don't know if you agree with that or if you think that's accurate. but I do, but I just love how smart he made me look. After you know he had the 19 points uh, the previous game before this one, he also had 19 points against Purdue. And I was like, Connor and Klesman are not scared of the big lights. And who are the two guys who are not scared against number five? They're like, I don't give a shit. You put shoes on just like me, put shorts on just like me. And that's the mindset that I've always had. So Max Klesman, you know, having that mindset going in, they're like, bro, we dribble the same basketball. We shoot the same basketball. What the hell is the difference? We're just wearing different jerseys. You know what I'm saying? So I love Max Klesman, dude. He's a dog. So here's my point with – with Isaac Lindsay, he had scored 22 points in the entire season up to this game. Jesus Christ. He has eight points in one half, and all of a sudden people are saying he needs to be on the court for the entire second half. Tyler, this is the same fan base that when we lose, they say we should be embarrassed. The same <laughs> fucking one, dude. <laughs> the same one. Like, come on. I don't even read comments no more because I'm like, bro, I'm not ruining my night. I'm getting to that point. Like, I still want to stay in touch with, like, what fans are thinking so that I can address it. But I'm done. <sighs> Screw that. I'm not, I'm not wasting my mental we're here for. Exactly. But I'm not going to sit there and read through 75 negative comments for no goddamn reason. That's a waste yeah. of my time. Wasting my energy. And people are going to complain anyway, so. I did a lot of that with Badgers football. Oh, God. And I... <sighs> I'm gonna hold my thoughts. Gonna hold my thoughts. I know. I know. I'm I know. excited for the that primer, dude. I know that's gonna be a good one. We're gonna try to do that one live so people Hell can come yeah, and dude. watch us. Not that all of our shows aren't live because they are live and in person. I should have said there'll be a more come grab a burger with us. Yeah, James said know. reading comments can go either way. Honestly, James, reading comments honestly doesn't really go that way because. 
what what I've read like statistically is that people see on average nine negative things to every positive one. Nine to one. That's on average. That checks out 100%. A bad day, it could be worse. Yeah, for real. <laughs> All 10. <laughs> <laughs> Isaac said the internet's a dark place. Don't fall into the trap. Isaac, we're here to reverse the trap. That's what we're doing. You know, obviously, yeah, Tim said hamburgers, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, obviously, the, the internet is a, a place full of just assholes who aren't afraid to say whatever behind the keyboard. And that's, you know, that is what it is. And there's, you know, the internet gives people that, you know, don't pay as much attention that will still feel that their opinion is just as valid versus people who study the games and watch every single game and, you know, like read from from beat writers and, you know, take years of of experience into it. But that negativity, it's a, a shared misery that gives people a sense of belonging. And it doesn't have to be that way. And that's what we're trying to prove or trying to show is that it doesn't have to be that that shared negativity sense to give you a sense of community. So that's that's the type of platform and following that we are trying to build. Is that you can you can view the same events from a different perspective and be a happier person regardless of the outcome of the game. Right. I'm going to address Isaac. Stat sheet readers who don't see the game and comment. See, my thing about the, the stat sheet, and me and you, could we could talk about this all day, right? Stats are only part of the story. Absolutely. And they could be the beginning or the end, wherever the hell you want to fit them in. But you mm-hmm. have to actually watch the game and see the stuff that happens. Right. And then it also helps. This also helps before you comment and say that we should be embarrassed. Maybe you want to, like, watch the game, look at the stats, and then maybe think before you talk. I mean, that's just mm-hmm. a possibility. But a lot of people have this up their arse. So, I mean, I'm just saying, think before you talk. Do you think that we yeah. should be embarrassed that we lost to fucking Michigan State at home? No. Michigan State's always good, okay? There's, yeah, and they're extremely well coached. Exactly. That's why they're always good. And they get good athletes. They get good basketball players. A lot of them, a lot of Michigan State players in the NBA. So, And that and takes that, time, too. I mean, how many years has Izzo been there? 20? 22? Man. I don't even remember when he got hired. I was a little kid, so. <laughs> right. So, that being said, is there anything else you wanted to say about Purdue? No. Okay, we just let's go to shots. Minnesota. What started to you for Minnesota game? This game, we did make shots. We did. And yes, for all the people, for all the people that pick on the Badgers, we play our offense from 1950. Well, let me, let me tell you a news flash. In this game, we did run an offense like 1950. And guess what? We got a goddamn W. So I don't give a shit. I do not give a shit. Uh, they really did. They did. Uh, we're going to throw it down low to one of these two white guys, and they're going to shoot a hook shot. All right, fine with me as long as we win. <laughs> there is no three-point line. It's gone. <laughs> <laughs> like Greg Gard just went out and just peeled the three-point line off the court. <laughs> okay, so. That's awesome. They did a great job killing in the paint. That goes without saying, right? If you watch the game like Tyler and I do, Isaac, I know you occasionally check in on how the Badgers are doing. (laughs) Granny shots. Uh, They did a great job getting the ball inside and absolutely being efficient with it. And it wasn't Mm -hmm. just like – I don't want to diminish what they were doing. I know I was just joking before. They're not just – they're figuring it out. They're they're using good footwork to to find Mm -hmm. good shots and finish with both hands. And 
They're, mm-hmm. They did a great job. So I also want to give them credit for not panicking when they were when they were down losing. They mm-hmm. were down at half. They were down in the second half. They didn't panic. They just kept running the same offense, and eventually it worked. So I know I brought up the 14 points, four rebounds, and two assists from the bench against Purdue. The bench against Minnesota, zero points. Hmm. 0 for 5 on field goals and 0 for 4 from 3. Hmm. We got absolutely zero help from the bench. That, if we are going to make the damn tournament, and we are going to win a few games in this Big Ten tournament, which starts mm-hmm. tonight at 5.30. We will be done by that time because we also want to watch the game. Yes. <laughs> um, we're going to need some bench production, and we're going to need a little bit more consistent play out of Tyler Wall and Chucky Hepburn. Now, I know they were in my power pair because they're both fantastic players, but I'm going to need them to raise their game another level, and we'll see what happens from there. Can I add one more player to that? Yes, go ahead. I'm going to add Connor Asijin to that as well. And it's oh. not because – um, you know, it's not because I'm calling him out and it's not, it's not that like, he's a freshman. So mm-hmm. like, I understand that the weight of expectations that I'm putting on a freshman might be too big for what you would expect a freshman to carry. However, Connor Sejan through his play, and this is normalizing, changing your expectations in light of new evidence, Connor Sejan's expectations have risen. Mm-hmm. And the bottom line is Connor Sejan started the Minnesota game one for seven. Yeah. We need a more efficient Connor Asedra than that. That's true. You can go ahead. I'm, I just made my few little points, and now it's your turn. So I want to call out a few things at the beginning of this game. First is the opening possession play. They they put Connor Asedra out on the left wing, and Max Klesman posts up. They post up Max Klesman. Connor Asedra mm-hmm. enters the ball into the post to Max Klesman. Stephen Crowell comes up to set a screen for Connor Asedra. That backdoor cut that they like to run – they usually run it at the top of the key with a big man with the ball, and they run that backdoor cut. Mm-hmm. But instead of running the backdoor cut, Connor Asijin came back, and Stephen Crowell set him another screen. Max Klesman popped the ball right back out. Connor Asijin hit a three, and that's how they started the game. That's a great play, fantastically drawn up. Badgers went lots of Crowell early. Um, I'm fine with Dawson Garcia shooting jump shots. I'd rather have him that than getting closer to the basket. He just made a lot of jump shots, so credit to him for that. Mm-hmm. Um, the Badgers did get a lot of late shot clocks early in the first half, which ideally isn't what you want, but it's a situation where you're passing up okay shots for good shots and passing up good shots for great shots. I totally understand that. I do like the low post action that they were running a lot, and that was Tyler Wall and Stephen Crowell setting screens for each other in the post. I like that action. You know, the Badgers spend a lot of time with their big men farther away from the basket where they aren't as effective, at least Tyler Wall. Um, Stephen Crowell's got the ability to hit threes, but he hasn't hit them quite as consistently. Mm-hmm. But running the the low post screen for each other does free them up and can potentially create some mismatches or some late helps that could then bait their opponent into some foul trouble trying to recover. So Good I do good. like that low post action. The post the post screening is definitely some 1950s shit, bro. <laughs> and it works though. It works. It is works. the point. It's just like the pick and roll. The pick and roll has been around forever, dude. Best playing basketball. And it's not going anywhere. Oh hell no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Badgers did go five and a half minutes without points, um, and it looked to me to be a lot of shooting without confidence. And that hasn't been a problem for the Badgers, even though they've struggled at times. Like, shooting with confidence has been something that they've always been able to hang their hat on. And that's just during that five-minute stretch just seemed to be something that was potentially just not quite there as much as it 
has been. Um, Max Klesman broke it with a broke it with a three pointer, like he does. Um, Tyler Wall showed off the footwork, and he really started to look like healthy Tyler Wall. He got a post entry, and within a split second of getting the ball, he drops that baseline, spun, and got a left hand layup. Beautiful move by Tyler Wall. Um, Minnesota, and this is part of what you said with the lead. Minnesota made eight of their last ten field goals in the first half to take a seven-point lead into halftime. Yeah, they were balling right away. And that's that's one of those things, like the Badgers, the announcers were saying that the Badgers weren't playing as good a defense, but honestly, I think some of it is Minnesota was hitting some tough shots. They were making shots. And, you know, this is something that isn't super prevalent in a lot of sports shows is to normalize giving credit to your opponents when they're doing things well. And, you know, even though Minnesota only has two Big Ten wins, it doesn't mean that they can't make shots because they're all still college basketball players. I'm so glad Isaac brought this up. I was going to wait until you said you have anything else on the Badgers. But, God damn it, Isaac. I was going to say, at the end of the game, I was in the chat with Isaac in the DJ's chat, and I was talking to him, and I was like, it's last possession. Throw it down the oh, – I told you guys in Badger chat too. I said, mm-hmm. throw it down the crowd, throw it down the wall. We'll just figure it out from there. I mean, now what happened was was awesome. I yes. don't mind. But I would have thrown it down to those two guys because they were the horses that carried us there. So that's just my two cents. So get into the second half. The Badgers, heavy attack in the paint, and it did not change. Um, the lead was down to one point in two minutes and ten seconds. Yeah. So Minnesota was scoring. They kind of held their lead a little bit. The Badgers' offense was actually keeping them in the game. Mm-hmm. Tyler Wall was looking good in the paint. Um, the defense having to help in the paint against Minnesota, against some of their size, was leading to some of the open threes and allowed Minnesota to push their lead back to seven. Um, Crowell got an and one off of a great pass by Chucky Hepburn to tie the game at 53. That was a nice pass, too. Like, he did not have a good angle on it, and he still got a perfect bounce pass into him. That was a great pass. Threading the needle. And then Crowell got another and one that gave the Badgers the lead. Chucky Hepburn drew a charge like he seems to be doing basically once a game now. (laughs) Right. And the Badgers didn't take their first three until the two-minute mark, and the shot clock was low. So it was kind of a forced shot that they had to take a three-pointer. Wow. And then we get into the the final minutes. Chucky Hepburn hits an absolutely cold-blooded three-pointer. The man's caught a lot of flack because he's the guy who's taken, what, four or five potential game-winning or game-tying jump shots this season. Mm-hmm. And he's, he hasn't made... You know, a ton of them. I'd say he's probably around, I don't know, 30 or 40%. But the one that he hit against Minnesota, that's that was big boy pants stuff by Chucky Hepburn. That was we, uh, phenomenal. Yes. And we get to the final minute, and it essentially has turned into a free throw battle from that point. Tyler Wall did a great job at the free throw line, so I wanted to make sure to give him credit for that. Yes, sir. Shout out to you all. So, Tyler Wall and Stephen Crowell each had 21 points, 7 rebounds, and 2 assists. Yep. 
identical stat lines. Um, nice. Tim said it's a good day. I got my decals, pins, keychain, and four shirts from Wisco Ball. Nice. Glad to hear you got some Wisco Ball stuff going on. I wore my Brew Crew shirt yesterday. Get it broken in before the season starts. Super comfortable. Like, Tim, I think that might end up being your favorite part. Like, the designs are really fun, but, like, the shirts are super comfortable. And for anybody that wants to, you can get Wisco Fanatic shirts there, too. You could. And everybody would be like, what's that? And you'd be like, it's the best podcast I've ever listened to. And then all of a sudden, we're rich. And then we bring <laughs> you guys to the private island. Only 10 of you, though. You need to go easy on the private island talk. That's we're, The wound is still fresh on that. <laughs> Chucky Hepburn had 12 points. He was 5 of 10 from the field, which is encouraging. Connor Asijan had 11 points and 6 rebounds. What I did mention with Connor Asijan is that he started 1 for 7 from the field. He did make his final 3 shots. So he started 1 for 7, finished 3 for 3. So good for him to at least, you know, finish strong. I think the thing that stood out to me most from this game was 48 points in the paint. That's an NBA number. Dude, the Bucks had less than that in two. Don't, don't remind games. me because there's one game that that pissed me off, and we'll get there. But <laughs> the NBA average is like 46. It's like 46.1 or 46.3. I haven't checked it in like a week or so. Yeah. But the NBA average is right around 46 points, and the Badgers put up 48 points in the paint against Minnesota. That's a lot. All right. So – Looking at Badger basketball, they play tonight. If they win, they advance, and then they play again tomorrow. So yeah. it's it's go time. It's quest for madness time. Uh, put up or shut up time. Whatever you want to say, do or die, whatever you want to say for Badger basketball, it starts tonight. ESPN has Ohio State uh, with a better chance to win, by the way. LOL. <laughs> yeah. That's all I got to say about that. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about the Badgers except win tonight? Nope. Just get some fucking wins, god damn it. Let's get – We can beat Ohio two, State. At least we can, three. We can beat Iowa. Obviously, we Again. know that. We, we, lost, we lost barely to a Michigan State team without Tyler Wall. So, True. I mean, that makes me feel good about that game. We can, win, we can win three straight games, and we play Purdue. We lost to Purdue by two points. I understand it was at our house, but – you know, maybe we match up good against them. Who freaking It's neutral. So it's not like we're playing Purdue at Purdue. It's called March Madness for a reason. That's absolutely. And we are a mad town. So let's fucking correlation. Let's make it happen, baby. <laughs> I'm ready to go. And shout out to Maddie Baddies. If you go on their website, you can get um, autographs from Badger players, 29 bucks. And if they win the Big Ten tournament, you get your money back. You're going to want to get that Connor Asijin, uh or Chucky Hepburn before they make some crazy shots this this March. I'm year. super tempted to get one. I know. Like, I kind of want to get Connor Asijin's autograph because, like, the oh. cards are really cool. But I know. I was looking at him after the show last week. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anything else, Badgers? No. Let's talk All some right. Milwaukee Bucks. Let's do it. Give me your power pair and your underrated performer. Other page, other page. Here we go. Okay. So, my power pair. First one, the big man in the middle, Brooke Lopez. I don't know. We're running out of things to say about this guy. He's fucking incredible. He's huge. He's giant. He scores. He blocks shots. He boxes people out like no other. And he's just a monster. Um, he averaged 21-5-2. and two. He shot 58% from the field, 58% behind the arc, and he finished the week as a plus 42. My next one, Jake Giannis impression, coming in hot. Yes, it's coming in, baby. 
No, it's not. Just kidding. I don't have anything good on deck for that. Um, my next one, Javon Carter. I was like, this guy deserves a good one. the power pair, dude. That's a very um, good one. His energy, uh, his 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 full court pressure. Um, that's something that doesn't get put in the box score. Um, his ability, he's getting so he's getting such a good rhythm with his, his transition threes now. Mm-hmm. He has, he, he's adding a little hop in there to to give himself, you know, on balance. It's just yep. like he's noted his his IQ is getting higher with that too. He's taking like better it. ones. He's not floating forward. He it's it's beautiful. Um, he averaged 14, three and two. He shot 57% from the field and 70% behind the arc. 12 of 17. He finished the week as a plus 14. My underrated performer. One of, one of our favorites, I think. Um, the guy that's unathletic, but will still whoop your ass, Joe Ingles. Um, 11 points, two and a half rebounds, two and a half assists. This guy's a great ball handler. I love how they pointed out on the, I don't remember what game it was, but uh, Lisa Byington pointed it out that he never goes to the right hand. He's everything's left-handed. The passes, the shots, everything is left-handed. Um, <clears throat> he shot 63% from the field at 17 to 27, 55% behind the arc, and he finished the week as plus 10. So um, nice. he had three out of the four games. Also, one sec, real quick, let me point this out. He was a double-digit scorer in three out of the four games. That is massive come playoff time. That's a very solid underrated performer pick. I like that one. Mm-hmm. So I went, and I knew your your power pair players beforehand, so that's why I went kind of vanilla with mine, mm-hmm. you know, picking the usual suspects, I should say. Um, but I went with Giannis and Drew, who didn't play against Orlando last night, but in their three games, Giannis averaged 29.3 points, 9.7 rebounds, 7.7 assists. But here's what's more impressive to me about Giannis's last three games. 54% on field goals. 43% on threes and 81% at the free throw line. That's the one. If he makes occasional threes, whatever. He makes his fucking free throws, it's over. Bro, if Giannis is a 50-40-80 player, are you shitting me? Like nobody is going to be remotely as good as him for a guy who's averaging 30, 10, and 6. I'll tell you this, to though. also be shooting 50, 40, 80, that's nuts. Jokic will still win the fucking MVP. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's insane. If Giannis is a 50, 40, 80 guy, it's, oh, my fucking God. That dude's nuts. Yeah, dude. Now we get into Drew Holiday, who averaged 22.7 points, 9.7 assists. And here's the thing. To go with his 9.7 assists... turnovers. That's 0.7 turnovers over his last three games for Drew Holiday. Love it. To go with 10 assists. That's 10 to 1 assist to turnover ratio. That's absurd. Do you follow NBA Muse? Uh, I believe so. Did you see their, their point guard post they made? I did not. I was pissed. They had Darius Garland, uh, Trey Young. Um, who the hell? Who the hell else? I doesn't Trey matter. Soft. They had they had they had two other random guys, and they didn't include. Oh, they had Jalen Brunson and one other guy, but they didn't have a picture of Drew Holiday. They had four pictures. They said, "Who's the best point guard in the Eastern Conference?" Like it's what? Rude. Like I'm not saying he's the best. I'm not saying that. Like I don't want to sound biased. I mean, I, personally, I can make an argument that he is the best. But 
to not even include him, and you're going to put Jalen Brunson, which Jalen Brunson has been fantastic for the Knicks. Darius Garland is mm-hmm. a very good player. Trey Young is a whiny bitch. Um, but he scores and assists. He scores and assists, but it's like, can he play any defense? Like, why does nobody care about defense, dude? I don't know any of those guys are even remotely close to the defender Drew is. N- nobody, nobody cares about defense until their team is giving up points. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like when they talk about MVP and they talk about Jokic, they're like, "Oh my God, he has this advanced stat, this advanced stat." And I'm not trying to take away from Jokic. I'm really not trying to kill him because he's he's awesome. Yeah. His game, his game is awesome, and he yep. creates good shots all day, and he rebounds the ball, and he scores efficiently. He does everything. Yep. But it's like nobody talks about the defensive <laughs> part of it. And when right. you talk about value, how the hell is it not more valuable to be good on both ends of the court? Yep. How the that is literally what value means to me. And that's the thing when you when you mention those four guys, I'm not taking any of those four over Drew Holiday, because we know what is important, and that's being able to be a two way player when it matters most in the season, and that's not the regular season, which Drew is actually having a fantastic regular season. True. And to your point last week, you were talking about it potentially being the best season of his career, and I haven't looked into it yet, but that is. It's a claim that you could make, and you know, like you, like I said, I'm not taking any of those guys over Drew Holiday because I know when it matters, we need him for both ends of the floor. Yeah, yeah, it's cool that Trey Young averages six to eight more points and maybe an assist or two more than Drew Holiday, but when you look at something like plus minus that tracks how much you're also getting scored on, Drew Holiday's is better. That was a good point. That was a really good point. You know, it's it's that situation where, yeah, it's cool that, that he can score 40 for you, you know, every other night. But the fact is, let's say Trey Young is scoring 40 against the Bucks just on floaters. He's also probably giving up 30 to Drew Holiday because he's just backing him down and babying him in the post all game. And that's before they switch him on the Grayson Allen, who gives him 10 to 12. True. <laughs> so, you know, that, that stuff matters. So, like you said, you know, it, being a two-way player is important. So, in addition to his 9.7 to 7 turnover, 0.7 turnovers, he also was 61% from the field mm-hmm. and 45% from the three-point line. He's so, Drew, Drew was efficiently dominant in this last week. And for my underrated performer, I did mention um, to you that I was going to go with somebody else, and I went with Grayson Allen. And he had two massive quarters in this last week, the third quarter against Philadelphia and the 11.4 quarter against Washington. Um, he was 54% from the field and 52% on three-pointers. So, Grayson Allen is my underrated performer. I want to address a couple comments here. Isaac said, Bulls fans check under their beds for Grayson Allen. They probably do. Greg <laughs> said, let's talk UCL basketball. Let's not and say we didn't. And Bob's talking about uh, – Oh yes, Bob pointed out Tyler Kolick was named Eastern Conference or Big East Eastern Conference. We were just talking about the Eastern Conference, why so I said that. <laughs> Big East Player of the Year and Shaka Smart Big East Coach of the Year. That is awesome. That both of those two, those two are both very, very deserving of that. So thank you for letting us know because that is awesome. Greg said the Bucks look good this year, gents. They certainly do, and Jake and I are in agreement. Aside, you know, bias aside, like we recognize that Boston's a very good team. And we've basically held true on this the entire season that the winner of Boston and Milwaukee wins the entire thing. Yep. I don't think anybody beats the Bucks in a seven game series if they're healthy. 
bottom line. Not healthy. Not, yeah. And we can make that argument because Drew, Chris, and Giannis went healthy. When all three are healthy, they have never lost a playoff series. That is a literal fact. Also, keep talking. Oh, wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. James, are you still here? Just, just want to, just, just want to, just want to, just want to, you know, if you want to tell me what happened. Jake had this screenshot ready to go. If if you just want to tell me, tell me what happened, James. I just want to know, did did he make both of them? I'm just wondering. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) Isaac loves it. I'm just wondering. I mean, Uh, James said Grant Williams in his mouth. Grant Williams, he's a solid player. Listen, he's a solid player. He is, he is. Both directions, he's a solid player. Here's the thing, is that he hasn't graduated to trash talk level yet. He's he's not that guy. Um, I don't know, he's he's not that guy. Um, Greg said, I've yet to see KD win with all the Splash Brothers, just saying people are overhyping the Suns. I mean... We've gotten to the point where ever since KD left that Warriors team, that whatever team he goes to is automatic title favorites, and there's really just no evidence to support that. There really isn't. He went to one finals as a member of the Thunder. He won the two titles with the Warriors, and then everywhere he's gone, people are like, oh, KD's there. He must be a title contender. Do you want to know why that is? People thought he was on LeBron's level. If you want me to be real honest with you. Because LeBron makes every team a title contender, right? Even when he's fucking 38 years old, they're, like, expecting the Lakers. No offense, Isaac. And, Greg, I think you're a Lakers fan, too. No offense to you guys, but the Lakers before these trades, they do look better now. I will be honest with you. Yeah. But before the trades, they looked horrible. It was basically just LeBron carrying the entire team. AD was playing soft as shit. Last night, he played like a man. He played like an actual big man last Mm -hmm. night. So, I mean – they thought KD was on LeBron's level when he's not. He's basically – he's a tall shooting guard, okay? Your, your dad brought it up. That's true. It's because of ESPN, and that's fair. They, they wanted an, they wanted a, a rival for LeBron for face of the league. That's what they wanted. And KD followed LeBron's footsteps. LeBron went to Miami. We, we all know that story. So KD was like, oh, okay, bet. Let me get my story. So when he went to Golden State, it was all about KD and the Warriors, right? They won their titles. Yeah. They beat LeBron. The NBA wanted that rivalry. It yeah. wasn't going to happen. I think it's this is the point that you're trying to make is they wanted like a magic bird scenario. Yeah. That's what they wanted. And Josh, and, LeBron is way better than Durant. Just stop. Just stop. Um, James said he found it funny because the flopping backfired when he was fouled and he all he needed to do was make one. That's true. Um <laughs> Bob asked, with the Bucks two wins away from 50 on the season and 16 to go, could the Bucks run the table to get an 18-game win streak to end the season? I don't think that there's anything stopping them from it. Like, they have to play Boston at least one more time. They have to play wow. Phoenix this coming week. That's I'm not going to – That's off a back-to-back, too. Ugh. Ugh. I mean, it's After possible. Playing- it's possible is the thing. It is. and. Good. I don't think they're going to beat the Phoenix Suns because they're going to play Sacramento the game before. Sacramento plays a fast-ass pace. They score a fuck ton of points. And then you got to play the Suns after that in Phoenix. In Phoenix, yeah. It's part of a West Coast road trip. And the Bucks, it's weird. And I'm going to talk about this when we get into, like, what's next. But 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Bucks are starting a West Cape, a West Coast road trip. They're always it's always a weird situation on the West Coast, like yeah. and it's and it's not something that I think is guaranteed. But the Bucks have this weird thing where they like whatever West Coast road trip they go on, they win all the games but one, and that one game they get blown out. I don't know what it is. <laughs> like I don't know if it's the full moon, if Mercury is in Gatorade or whatever. But when the Bucks are on West Coast road trips, they win all but one, and they get blown out in that one. Oh, um, they do play Denver again once, I believe. I don't know exactly when it is because I only look up games one week at a time because that's how our platform is. Yep. Um, so it's possible. I wouldn't go as far as to say it's over 50% possible or even 40% possible, but I, you know, I'll, it's possible. And that's the thing is, like, we're never going to say that it's impossible that it could happen. Because that's just not true. There's no way you can guarantee that the Bucks won't run the table to end this season. Um, I think they're going to be as strict as necessary to maintain the one seed as they need to be. If they're, you know, if they're up uh, four games on Boston at the two seed with three games to go, I don't think they're going to be super serious those last three games. Okay, Josh, what what did what did KD do to the Nets? Did he leave them in a good situation? He did nothing but, there. But 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 draft picks. <laughs> Stop. They're they, they're um, the exact same. Except LeBron is the all-time leading scorer. James said, "If the Bucks and the Celtics are healthy, it should make for a great series, and the winner will most likely win the finals, assuming everybody is healthy." And that's exactly how we oh, feel. Um, if the Bucks and Celtics are both healthy, the series is going seven, in my opinion, Bucks and seven. But that's that's and like you said, the winner most likely wins the finals. We agree with that too. I don't think anybody in the West beats the Bucks or the Celtics in a seven-game series. I don't. Yeah, and that's why I've been so adamant about getting the one seed because, you know, look last year. It came down to who played game seven at home, right? Now, I understand that we blew the game six at our house. But if we could be in a situation where we're tied 3-3 and we're in Milwaukee, I feel a hell of a lot better than being in Boston. I won't lie to you about that, man. Now, I'm not saying the Bucs can't win in Boston because obviously they can't. We've seen it before right. in the playoffs even last year when Drew Holiday literally stole the game from them. But, you know, I would feel much better in Milwaukee. Right. Preferably. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh said Bridges is balling. Jay, uh, we, Jake and I talked about it last week. Like, Mikhail Bridges is one of our favorite non-Bucks players. Yeah, he's, he's great. Greg said, great show, guys. Got to get to work. God bless. Have a great day. Thanks we will for start covering the games eventually. <laughs> We're just talking right now. 
All right. Thanks for jumping in for a little bit, Greg. Appreciate it. Yeah, really. All right. Let's go with Bucks and Magic round one. What's up to you from the first game against Orlando last week? Um, so quick synopsis. Great ball movement, 29 assists, eight turnovers. That's fucking fantastic. Doesn't yes. really doesn't get much better than that in an NBA game. Um, yes. We lost the rebounding battle, which is like, what the hell? But uh, we made 26 three-pointers, dude. That is 78 points from the three-point line. We scored 38 in the paint. We scored 40 more points from behind the three-point line. That is insane. Um, they shot a really, really high percentage, obviously. To score that many, you have to shoot a high percentage, 46%. Shot 52% from the field. And holding the Magic to only 9 for 33 while you make 26 threes is the difference in the game, in my opinion. I like it. Josh said at the end of the day, Bucks till the day I die. Never cried over a sports game until the Bucks won the chip. Never thought I'd see it happen in my lifetime. Josh, you're like 11. How long has your lifetime been that you never thought you'd see it happen? <laughs> Dude, he has that many nicknames. <laughs> He's 11 with 11 nicknames. <laughs> <laughs> James says he has a leg up on Greg because he doesn't work on Wednesdays. Well, maybe someday we'll be a Monday, Wednesday, Friday show, James. And when you work on Mondays, you won't be able to see the show and Greg will. And then he can flex on you. <laughs> <laughs> so super random thing is the – so this is, this is just how the game started. Let me know if anything – Anything weird pops out to you. Grayson Allen hit a three. Giannis scored four straight points, all off of spin moves. And Grayson Allen hit another three. Anything about that seem weird to you? No. First ten points of the game were scored by initials with GA. Oh, God. I didn't even think of that. I didn't think of that. That's, good That's how I write all my notes is I do initials. But for, for Grayson, I put G and a little R and then an A, so I know that it's Grayson. And then G-A is Giannis. So I'm writing down, so it's G-R-A for three, G-A for four, G-R-A for three, and the first ten points are scored by G-A's. I put Allen for, for Grayson Allen, but I do initials too. It's just faster. Yeah, I do. Yeah, instead of, instead of writing Allen, I just put G, a little R, and then a big A. So I know that it's Grayson. And then for Javon Carter, I do JC. And then for Jay Crowder, I do JC and then a little R. So I know it's Jay Crowder. Oh, I just put Crowder. That's what I put. Tish said, pretty sure when I was 11, the Bucks finished with 11 wins. Tish, you weren't even born when that team happened. <laughs> now he's like four. He's aging backwards. He's like, I remember when the Bucks were purple when you were conceived. I actually do have a photo. We went to a game. I just found that. I got it from my mom. Oh, back from when you jumped on the bandwagon. Yeah. That, yeah, <laughs> that photo. Tish was mean mugging that whole day for some reason, man. I think it's just his demeanor when he was little. <laughs> that not much change. I have one. It was me and my sister at the Bradley Center, and I got my little purple Ray Allen jersey on, which is going to fit one of my kids soon, and that's going to make me feel super old, and it'll probably make my parents feel even older. You probably it's a Reebok jersey, bro. That's how long I've been a Bucks fan. Reebok was making NBA jerseys. Long time ago. <laughs> so the Bucks against the Magic started five of nine from the three-point line. They just needed to do a better job boxing out. And unfortunately, it's going to be something that haunts them in some other games. Um, AJ Green hit a really nice step back three, and it was like, damn, okay, AJ. That's great move by AJ Green. Mm -hmm. Um what I noticed was, and there was no Chris Middleton in this game, was that the Bucks' offense slowed down during the stages of the game that they that they've been using Chris Middleton. 
And it was when the first unit subs out and the second unit comes in, and that's where they've been using Chris Middleton up until last night's game. But the offense seemed to slow down a little bit there. Pat Connaughton heated up starting the second quarter. Cole Anthony, he is a nice player, and there's no denying that. Um, he's kind of a douche sometimes, but, you know, respect where it's due. He's a solid player. Mm-hmm. Bucks, I mentioned the five of nine three-point start. They got to a point where they were 11 for 20 from the three-point line. That's 55%. That's a lot of threes. Um, Josh said, same with my Reggie White jersey. That's about to get dusted off here soon. Hey, do it up. Um, Grayson Allen hit three threes in the first half. The Bucks made 15 as a team. That carried them to their 10-point lead, their 76-66 lead at halftime. Giannis had 17 points in the first half. Drew Holiday had 13 points in the first half. Pat and Grayson both had nine. Brooke Lopez and Joe Ingles both had eight. Uh, Javon Carter had six, and then um, Jay Crowder and A.J. Green each had three. I mean, the Bucks went on a 14-6 run to end the first half. I was going to take a shot, but I'm just going to be quiet. I was going to take a shot at 80s basketball, but I'll forget it. <laughs> so the Bucks' offense flowing well. Uh, ended with Drew Holiday dunking on somebody. <laughs> Drew Holiday dunked on Cole Anthony. That was awesome. Then, then this might be the rarest thing outside of the Bucks winning the championship that I've seen happen during a Bucks game. Giannis Antetokounmpo drew a charge. Yeah, yeah, that's that's crazy to me. That was that was a rare rare occurrence. And then Drew Holiday drew another one just a couple minutes later. He does do that. <laughs> he does. He he plays around the ball a lot more. Giannis is just kind of waiting for you to shoot when you think you have an opportunity, and then it's like, boom, your ball is four rows deep. <laughs> so the Magic hung around. Joe Ingles got hit on the um, on the chin on the play that Drew Holiday drew his charge, and he responds by coming down and hits a three. Two possessions later, hits another three. Like don't don't try to rattle Joe Ingles. It's just it's just not gonna go well for you. Um, Joe Ingles seems like the kind of guy that feeds off of stuff like that. Um, Josh, in a very broken English sentence, said, "What do you think about the Lindell Wigginton back on a two way contract?" I'm all for it. He was great during spring, not spring, uh, summer league, and I'm definitely all for him getting the two way contract back. So good for him. I think it's cool that he got to play on the same court twice. Two games. He played two games. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Second half. This led to uh, more good ball movement. Magic had the lead cut down to eight minutes or eight points with two minutes and 40 seconds left. The Bucks drew a play up for AJ Green coming out of a timeout. That's where we're at. We're at the point where the Bucks are drawing up plays for their undrafted rookies in the midst of a big-ass win streak. Um, Bob will definitely be sure to check that out after the show. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, James, when the dust clears, you will hear our opinions on Aaron Rodgers. Yep, we already did. We're going to yeah, go we, The thing we'll go that – we're, Yeah, we're not going to speculate beforehand. 
we'll just wait to see all the details, what we what we receive, yep. and then we'll we'll go from there. Yeah, right. We'll wait for facts first, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, more great ball movement in the fourth quarter. The ball goes from Giannis to Drew to Javon Carter to Grayson to Drew back to Javon Carter for three. That's the shot that tied the season high for three point makes. That's mm, that's great stuff. Um, the Bucks on offense basically just became just a juggernaut. Um, Brooke Lopez three gave the Bucks twenty four. Uh, Jay Crowder three gave the Bucks twenty five. That was their second most in franchise history. And then AJ Green, another great one on one move, gave the Bucks their twenty six threes. You already mentioned the twenty nine assists and only eight turnovers. They only allowed two points off of turnovers in this game. That is huge, especially for a young team like the Magic that can get up and run off of turnovers. Mm-hmm. Only four missed free throws, 19 second chance points. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Yeah. Like to see them much more around the 10 to 12 area. But fundamental failure points, that's only 25. That's definitely solid. Um, Drew Holiday, 23 points, nine assists. Brooke Lopez, 18 points. He was 4 or 5 from the three-point line. Grayson Allen at 12 points. He was 4 of 8 from the three-point line. Pat Connaughton at 10 points. He made three threes. Joe Ingles at 16 points. He had 4 of 7 on threes. Um, Giannis had 31, 7 and 6 in only 27 minutes. He was 3 for 4 from the three-point line. And 8 of 10 from the free-throw line. A.J. Green was 4 of 7 from the three-point line. The Bucks had six players that made three or more threes and seven in double figures. We're good. <laughs> Real good. Um, Bob asked Badgers in Ohio State start a Big Ten tournament tonight, one and done. I don't no. think so. I don't think no. they're one and done. I think they're going to beat Ohio State tonight and Iowa tomorrow for sure. And then from then, whatever happens, happens. I think the same. I think we're going to beat Ohio State tonight. I think we're going to beat Iowa. I think we just have Iowa's number. I think we're just mm-hmm. better than Ohio State. Match up well and with then, Iowa. Oh, whatever happens against Michigan State, I don't know. Maybe, uh, I mean, maybe we can both uh, come up with something for a graphic or something for keys to the game for those games, yeah. but we'll, we'll think of something. For sure. All right. Let's go to Bucks and 76ers. This game... This game frustrated me, and it's it, it boiled down to me was like kind of like three things that really took away from this. One, Philadelphia was they were desperate for a win. They had lost three of their last four after winning five straight. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Milton played twenty seven minutes. That was his most to this point in the season, and this is legit. The Bucks playoff rotation could go a ten deep. Yeah. Those were my main takeaways. I mean, the first half went back and forth. The third quarter, the Bucks won by eight. And the fourth quarter was won by Philly, obviously. They went on a 9 nothing run in two minutes to open the fourth quarter. 15-2 run over three minutes. And the lead was down to two points. And then from after that, you know, it was just a, a race to the finish. Um, the game was tied at 108 with six minutes to go. Bucks went on an 8-2 run. And they kind of held a one to four point lead up until 42 seconds left and Harden hit, you know, after he lost the ball, he hit a three from between the three point line and the half court line. And, you know, that is what it is. And then Embiid hit one of the next possession. Um, you know, it's a situation where kind of just is what it is. 
Um, and I know that's, you know, the, the fire Budenholzer people or, you know, trade Chris people are going to want to, you know, come up with reasons why that should happen based off of one game sample size. But that's really just not, not my big takeaway. Um, what I did notice and stood out to me was 33 bench points for Philadelphia, only 23 for the Bucks. Yeah. We've seen some massive bench outputs from the Bucks and 23 points just wasn't it. No. All right. I only got a couple of things to take away as well. One, the Bucks still shot the ball well. They shot 50% from three. 17 of 34 is fucking phenomenal shooting. I mean, they score 130 points. There's nothing to yeah. shake a stick at. They, they shot 53% from the field. But they also allowed Philly to shoot 48%, 18 of 37 from three. Um, the pick and roll between Harden and Embiid was just unstoppable. Um, I'm not trying to rag on him, but if Chris Middleton wants to get paid big boy money, he he can't be getting whooped by James Harden. And James Harden's still good. I, right. Listen, James, that's one thing that Tyler, me, you, will all agree on. We hate all Philly teams because Philly is a terrible sports city. They, really are, are. they are one of the cockiest and loudest cities in America. And that is right next to Boston. And I do not care what you have to say. They are they are sore winners and sore losers and just in general, like unpleasant people. Yeah. Uh, Boston, New York, L.A. is like all those big city teams. Miss me with that. Um, but the Bucks need to get better at guarding the pick and roll. And that's for them to figure out because the 76ers are a good team. There was only – and if you go by the Phil Jackson rule, where Phil Jackson says real title contenders win forty games before losing tw- before losing twenty, mm-hmm. the Bucks, the Nuggets, the Celtics, and the Sixers were really really close. I think they were one win off or whatever. Yeah. But those are your four teams right there. If you're going off yep. the Phil Jackson philosophy, that are the title contenders. And the Bucks just need to find a better way to to guard the pick and roll. It's going to be coming in the playoffs when the game slows down. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the high pick and roll as well, pulling Brooke yep. out a little bit farther. So this is where Jay Crowder is going to be massive Yep. because of his ability to be a little bit quicker and still body up on people and allow yep. Giannis to still float. Now, I'm not saying Jay Crowder is guarding Embiid one-on-one because who the hell is guarding Embiid one-on-one when he really wants to score, right? But – his ability, his more athletic and quicker uh, lateral quickness will definitely help. Also, his scoring, dude, he is so much a better fit than P.J. Tucker. It's not even funny. Yeah. It's not even funny. He is P.J. Tucker who yeah. can actually run. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he yeah. can take the ball, dribble, and he can do a floater, or he can do a layup, right. and he can get a dunk, and he can still hit those pull-up threes. And he yep. doesn't just shoot corner threes. He shoots from the top. Right. He shoots from the wings. I mean – Jay Crowder fit with the Bucks, uh, Mamma Mia. Seamless. Um, yeah. Um, I don't really have much else to say about this game. The Bucks just gave up too many points in the fourth quarter. They didn't play good defense. They obviously know that. And the pick and roll killed them. So we figure those two things out. We'll be just fine. So here's the other thing. And this is two games in a row where two of the aspects are really good. Bucks only missed three free throws. That's great. Only 10 second chance points for Philadelphia. Two of them were at a very crucial point in the game. And, you know, as much as we say Giannis is the best, he's the MVP. He did miss a box out in this game that gave up a tip slam to Philadelphia. That was part of their comeback. Yep. And and it happens. It's not like I'm saying, you know, Giannis doesn't deserve to win an MVP because he missed one play. That's not, not at all what I'm saying. 
But here we're talking about a game where the Bucks lost by three points in a game where they gave up 48 points in the fourth quarter. This is one of those things that they could remedy. 24 points off turnovers. Eek. Cut that shit in half. And the Bucks win this game by nine. So points off turnovers is a big deal. We're even as good as the Philadelphia shot the ball, even as efficient as they were in the pick and roll, that the Bucks still could have won that game. The fact that they gave up 24 points off turnovers and lost by three points. Yeah. It is what it is. I was bummed out that's how we lost the winning streak. But other than that, I was if we wouldn't have had a winning streak and we lost a game like that, I'd have been like, there's fixable things. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the Bucks and the Wizards. So the Bucks lost their winning streak and they started a new one. What's the to you from the Bucks and Wizards game? First of all, real lame from the NBA to take that rebound away <laughs> and then come up with like a justifiable reason. You know, when they came up with a reason, I was like, okay, I'm not going to lie. That's kind of fair. But still lame. I wanted them to have the triple double. Mm-hmm. Um, they still shot the ball crazy. They made 22 threes out of 49 attempts. We can just shoot the goddamn ball, and we can play some goddamn defense. That's why we think that we're going to win the title if we're healthy. You give us the best player in the world, the ability to spread the floor, and the ability to lock you down when it matters, that makes NBA championships. Um, they played good defense. Uh, again, whole, making 22 threes is the same thing for the Magic that I'm going to say against the Wizards, when you make 22 threes and you hold your opponent to making eight, that is that that is how you flip a game. Yeah. Um, 30 assists in this game, back-to-back games with 30 assists, that's something to look at. Only one away from making it three straight games. And then if we fast True. forward, you know, we almost had four straight games with 30 assists. But they're passing the ball well. Everybody's shooting the ball well. The Bucks are playing in such a great rhythm offensively. Mm-hmm. And they're playing a little bit faster. And I love it. I love every moment of it. And the thing about us playing faster is we have so many different ways to come at you from a different speed. Giannis can just come at you at, at, at you know, fast break. He's a fast break by himself, one on five. I don't give a shit yep. what team you are. Uh, Drew Holiday can come at you. Bobby Portis can push the pace every once in a Bro, while. In fast break, you got to worry about Javon Carter shooting threes on you. Yeah. And, yeah. And then and you then 14 you points in the first half. And then you got to worry about the secondary break with Brooke Lopez trailing, getting yep. a wide open three from the top. So, I mean, there's just so many ways that the Bucs can hurt you offensively. Um, they did give up a lot of points in the paint in this one, which I wasn't a fan of. But Orlando's they, so long. Or my, Washington. Like, and Daniel Gafford is always a problem for the Bucs. I don't know what it is. Bro, he, he started like three years ago just dunking on everybody. He just like woke up three years ago and was just like, you know what? I think I was going to dunk on everyone. And I'm like <laughs> – where the hell is this? Guy I don't. Going? I don't know if he just doesn't like the color green or what it is, but yeah, I don't, he I don't he, know. he raises his level of play to play against the Bucks. He does. Um, <clears throat> other than that, I mean, it was just a good solid game. We lost a rebounding battle again, which I was like, okay, I don't like this, but we shot the ball so well. We only made thirty nine field goals and we scored one hundred seventeen points. Okay, fine with me. So you mentioned the Bucks um, shooting the three well again. Brooke Lopez started two for two. The Bucks as a team started four for eight. Ingles started two for two. Javon hit two in transition right away. The only thing that was really keeping Washington in this game was Chris Porzingis. Yeah, he had eighteen points in the first quarter, 
and he's one of those guys too, where it's like, he's one of my favorite non-Bucks players. Yeah, he's a beast. I wish he was on a good team. Um, Wizards went into a zone in the first quarter. Okay, the Bucks a little bit of trouble for some time. We get into a point where Brooke Lopez blocks two shots in the same possession. Yeah. And Washington follows that up with a 7-0 run. And then Javon Carter breaks that 7-0 run with two transition threes. <laughs> <laughs> so the Bucks flipped the switch in the second quarter. They pushed a three-point lead to 13. In the second quarter, guess how many points Kristaps Porzingis scored after 18 in the first quarter? Zero. Zero. Let's go. Oh, Bill Belichick defense where we're going to take away your best player. So 18 points in the first quarter for Kristaps Porzingis. Zero in the second quarter. Um, Javon Carter, the audacity of this man to jump a passing lane and get a steal, be in a two-on-one situation, and to pull up from the goddamn three-point line? Bruh. It's savage, but I love that it's on our team. Bruh, he was, he was doing the most, bro. I was watching this game, and I was like, bro, he's out there just, just having the time of his life. <laughs> <laughs> it got changed to a deep two because his toe was on the line. Yeah. But the fact that Javon Carter... Jumps the passing lane for a steal, and instead of driving to the basket, stops and pulls up what for what he thought was a three-pointer. Like, dude's got the green light. And people still think that Goran Dragic is going to play over him. No. Stop it. No. It's not going to happen. All right. So, Drew Holiday passing in the second quarter was fantastic. Like I said, John Carter, 14 points in the first half. Porzingis was getting back at it in the third quarter. Um, Jay Crowder gets the Saucy Pass of the Week award for his behind-the-back pass to Drew Holiday along the baseline. Jay Crowder is like, even with the baseline, he throws a left-handed behind-the-back pass to Drew Holiday. One bounce into the corner, and Drew hits a three. That's You just talked about it, him being a better fit. Like, P.J. Tucker's not making that play. No. Not even close. And we're not trying to dog B.J. Tucker, but no. in comparison, it's day and night to me. It's definitely the role that P.J. played plus some. Yes. Um, Washington got back in the game. They cut the lead to two, and then Brooke Lopez at a three. Um, at that point, it looked like Giannis's wrist was starting to bother him, and he didn't play a ton more after that. But we got a 5 nothing Bobby run to cut the lead or push the lead back to seven points. Um, Joe Ingles was making a difference offensively, like you said, during your your underrated performer. Um, the Bucks got outscored by eight in the third quarter. The lead got cut down to one to open the fourth quarter. Um, and Washington actually took a lead three possessions into the fourth quarter. Um, Javon Carter hit a three to tie the game at 86. Um, and this was another situation where the Bucks weren't keeping Washington out of the paint. Um, so boxing out, that is – that is something the Bucks need to stay focused on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it ended up not affecting them because they still won the game, but it's it's just one of those fundamental things that you got to do. Um, Grayson Allen didn't score until the first or his first points until the fourth quarter, and then he scored eleven points in that fourth quarter. All eleven of his points came in the fourth quarter. Washington's got to know that you can't leave Javon Carter open after the game he was having. Javon Carter gets left open. He hits a three to take the lead. Um, and then ball movement 
great job by Grayson Allen to go get an offensive rebound. Ball moves all the way back around to Grayson Allen, the guy that got the offensive rebound. He pump fakes. Denny Ojibja goes flying past him, and he hits a three. That's a huge momentum play and a great momentum play for the individual Grayson Allen who started the play with an offensive rebound to then get back into the play and be the one to hit the three on that possession. And then after that, um, the Bucks iced the game with free throws. Washington made a little 5 nothing run with 13 seconds left to go and you know made the game look a little bit closer than it actually was. But Giannis, 33-13 and nine rebounds to go with three blocks. Drew Holiday had 19 and 7. Brooke Lopez had 15, six rebounds and three blocks. Grayson Allen, I mentioned all of his points in the fourth quarter. Pat Connaughton, eight points, seven rebounds. Javon Carter, 20 points. He was six of 10 from behind the three point line. Uh, Joe Ingles had 14 points and three assists. He was four for eight from behind the three point line. And I mentioned the 23 bench points against Philadelphia. The Bucs rebounded well, 41 bench points in this game. Much better. So that is that is many more points, 18 to be exact. Um, this is interesting. So Giannis scored or assisted on the Bucks' first 25 points to start the quarter, the fourth quarter. Wow. 25 assisted were, or scored. They were packing the paint on Giannis. They were forcing him to pass, and the Bucks were hitting shots. That is awesome. What isn't so awesome is the fundamental failures. The Bucks did only miss five free throws, which is great. Mm-hmm. 21 points off turnovers. That's a lot. 20 second chance points. That's also oh, a lot. That's not good. Really like to cut both of those numbers down by at least like eight. <laughs> cut it in half, man. Shit. Um, 46 fundamental failure points is what that boiled down to. And the Bucks, they only scored 28 points in the paint. They allowed 58 points in the paint. That's so much. A lot of that is that down turnovers, too. I think. That, yeah, and that does that it does affect that. But you gotta cut that down. Yeah. It's gotta be cut down. I just want to give a little perspective real quick after this game, because people are still upset about the losing the, the winning streak. Going from the Wizards game all the way up to January 9th, that's 25 games. The Bucks won 22 of 25. So if you were crying about losing a winning streak, shut up. You sound like a sports <laughs> baby. Oh, no. We've only won 16 of our last 17 games. What's gonna, what are we going to do? Oh, my God. We lost three games since the beginning of January. I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> that's so nuts, dude. When you say it like that, that the Bucks have only lost three times since the beginning of January. That's nuts. January 9th to the Wizards game, they lost three games. Imagine being twenty-two and three to start the season. Would you be upset? No, I'd be like, God damn, we're the best team ever. <laughs> we're gonna get the forty wins before we get to ten losses. <laughs> Fucking hey, dude. Fuck Phil Jackson's the, rules. We're the title by uh by by All Star break. Let's go. Right. Damn. About to go seventy-nine and three. All right, we got one more Bucks game, and we'll wrap it up so we can go watch the Badgers. Um, Bucks Magic version two. What stood out to you from that one? Uh, the Bucks didn't shoot the ball as well in this one, but they also had no Giannis, no Drew. Um, right. This is first start. Damn, I thought I wrote that down. Oh, first start since uh, we played Memphis on December fifteenth. So wanted to point that mm. out. Um, 
after we won this game, it marked 14 straight wins versus the Magic. Yep. Do you know the last time we lost to the Magic? Nom. February 9th, 2019. <laughs> Do you remember the last time that we lost a season series versus the Magic? I'm going to guess we, like we 2013. You're insanely close. But we split a couple seasons, but otherwise we've been winning. The last time the Bucks lost a season series to the Orlando Magic was 2011-2012. Damn. Dude, we literally just graduated high school. True. That's true. <laughs> it's a long time ago. Um I am going to point something out after you're done. I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. Um, but what stood out to me in this game is Brooke Lopez uh, was, was cooking. Uh, mm -hmm. Bobby Bobby, and Chris were cooking early. Bobby was uh, Chris was really playmaking, trying to get Bobby going. Mm -hmm. Bobby was scoring. Um, Chris looked good uh, basically the entire first half. And then, um, you know, other than the little bit high turnovers, I love our free throw shooting. I know you're going to bring that up. Mm -hmm. But – we also played better in the paint. We still had the the fast break points without Giannis, which was a really positive sign for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, we just, we didn't shoot the ball like we did the first time around, but we still ended up scoring a bunch of points and getting getting away with a W. So can't complain too much. James said, "Whenever those losses, fans will take it and make it seem like the sky is falling." And there's always going to be those fans. And Jake and I are trying to make it so less fans feel that way. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when, when there's losses that there's still positive takeaways from them or things you can learn or opportunities to improve. That's what Jake and I are looking for. Now, you mentioned Brooke Lopez cooking early and Chris Middleton playmaking early. Their connection to start this game was great. Yeah. Um, I got another cool stat. 13 of the Bucks' first 15 points were scored or assisted by Chris Middleton. That's a good stat. That's a very good start. Um, Joe Ingles had a really saucy wraparound pass with naturally, like you said, the left hand. He yep. gets, I think it was Mo Wagner to, to step up to him, and he just puts a left-handed pass around his back to Brooke Lopez for a dunk. Almost um, hit him in the dome with it, too. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of possessions later, he got a steal. Javon Carter hit a three out of it. Um, a 7 nothing run after the Magic took a one-point lead. Mm -hmm. Um both Javon Carters had or both Javon Carters, both JC's Javon Carter and Jay Crowder had five points in the first quarter. The Bucks ended the first quarter on a 21 to 10 run. But Orlando opened the second quarter on a 15 to 3 run that closed the gap. Um Grayson Allen, how about Grayson Allen skying to finish an alley oop? Like, everybody from Orlando is just lulled to sleep. Like, oh, hey, the three-point shooter is cutting towards the basket. Oh, shit, the three-point shooter just dunked on us. It's because he's white. <laughs> <laughs> he's got some hops, though. Like, come on, man. So does Pat Connaughton, just because Joe Ingles doesn't. <laughs> or or Brooke. <laughs> but Brooke doesn't, doesn't need to have hops, though. Exactly. He's just... A massive human being. Brooke will take eight seconds to drive to the lane and still score on you. Bro, when he's like, he looks so weird when he drives and does the floater. I'm like, that doesn't even look comfortable. Are you hurt? I still think my favorite Brooke Lopez like slow move that ended in a dunk was during the finals when he dunked on like everybody. Dude, you remember what I'm talking about? I think it was in game five. He screams so fucking loud when he, dude, he, 
the fact that he dunked that ball, I was just I was shook. I was shook. It was it was happened. game six. Game five was in Phoenix, buddy. Okay. I didn't remember which one it was. I mean, it was later in the series and it was like a, yeah. a pivotal moment. Um so we get to Bobby Portis was actually guarding Paolo Banchero a lot of this game and did some pretty solid defense on him. So credit to Bobby Portis for that, a guy who's not a real strong defender guarding who is probably going to be the rookie of the year and doing a pretty good job. Um, Pat Connaughton bailed out Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles tried to make a cross-court pass that got tipped, and Pat Connaughton recovered and then threw a behind-the-back pass to Bobby Portis. That was dirty. That was part of an 8-0 run after the game was tied at 57. Um, and with this game, with Javon Carter being in the starting lineup and Drew Holiday being out, we got to see a pretty decent dose of point guard Ingles. Yep. We saw a lot of Joe Ingles playing point guard in this game. So more credit to you for bringing him up in your power pair and underrated performer. And that's why he was the underrated performer for us for the game last night uh, was just his, his ability to also run the offense in the uh, absence of Drew Holiday. We need to give credit to Javon Carter as well. Orlando got a steal and is running a three-on-one fast break against Javon Carter. The possession ends Dog. with Javon Carter stealing the ball. I was literally just waiting. First of all, horrible pass by Wagner. Yeah. That ruined the entire possession. Mm-hmm. But great heart and hustle by Carter. I was literally just, I was like, all right, just go to the layup. Let's get the ball back, right? Yep. When they were when they were three on one, I was like, all right, they're all huge, and Javon is our smallest yep. guy. Maybe so, foul Panchero, make him make yeah. his free throws or something. I didn't even want him to foul. I was like, just just let him get the layup, you know. Right. And that was the mindset that I had. All of a sudden, he gets a steal. I'm like, oh my fucking god, true <laughs> dude, dude. Javon Carter's got the bulldog, hundred percent. So that uh, Javon Carter finished a nineteen to nine run to end the second quarter. That's something that's really starting to stand out to me is the big runs that happen in these games because basketball is a game of runs. Second half, Chris Middleton passed Marcus Johnson for six most made free throws in franchise history, so good for Chris uh, Chris Middleton. Brooke Lopez started putting on a block party. Javon Carter hit back-to-back threes to push the lead back from 7 to 13. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bobby Portis was getting his rhythm back in the third quarter. Pat Connaughton was guarding Bull Bull for a little while. Like, this game got weird, but... It, I mean, <laughs> after the third quarter, um, the Bucks kind of pulled away, um, pushed the lead up to 16, and then kind of coasted from there. Brooke Lopez, 26 points, six rebounds, three blocks. Chris Middleton, 24 points. That tied his season high. He only took nine shots to get 24 points. He was 13 of 14 at the free throw line. Um, he made 11 assists as well. That is his third double-double in the last six games. That's a good thing. That's a very good thing. If Chris Middleton's putting up double-doubles, like, damn. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Javon Carter, 24 points and five assists. He was four for five from the three-point line. And like you said, full-court pressure the entire game. Yeah, he's awesome. He is awesome. Bobby Portis back to his double-double ways, 16 and 11, 8 of 13 from the field. Pat Connaughton, six points, five rebounds. He was plus 13 in the game, despite only scoring six points. Um, Joe Ingles, 12 points, six assists, and three rebounds. He ran a lot of point guard, and he had the second most assists on the team. Mm. So looking at what's next for the Bucs in the next week, 
They play tomorrow against Brooklyn, and then they start a West Coast road trip. They're at Golden State, at Sacramento, and then the day after that, they're at Phoenix. So for the week, I'm going to say 3-1. and one. I don't think the Bucs are going to finish the game on an, or the season on an 18-game win streak. Sorry, Bob. But I do think they're going to finish efficiently in their last 18 games. But I'm going to say 3-1, and one, and I'm going to say their loss comes – I'm going to say Monday against Sacramento. I feel like I feel like Sacramento is going to be playing for more, whereas Milwaukee is either going to be looking at resting starters in the Sacramento game or the Phoenix game, but not that middle one. And I think that maybe there's just a little bit of focus lost there. I'm not, and I'm not saying I prefer this or that I want this to be the case, but I'm just saying this is kind of a prediction I'm making. I'm going to say a three and one week. Don't kill me. I'm gonna say a two and two week. I understand. It's a West they're Coast gonna, road trip. They're tough. They're gonna play. They're gonna beat Brooklyn. They're gonna beat the Warriors on Saturday because the Warriors are actually dog trash this year. They're kind of reeling. They're. I mean, they got forty from Curry last night, and they still lost to the Thunder. So I mean, if that tells you tells you the situation, that, so they that, they blew a lead against the Lakers too. Yeah, uh, the defending champs are in. That's where they're at. I think they're going to lose to Sacramento. Um, I think that might be a game where uh, after Giannis plays a ton of minutes, uh, Middleton might not play that game. Um, he probably won't play the Phoenix game. I think the the Phoenix game being the next night, I think we're going to lose back-to-back nights. I guess we'll have to see. I do think that the Bucks do want the one seed. That leads me into my question. So I counted – you know, Bob said we had 16. I counted 17. I could just be dumb. But – Either 16 or 17 games remaining. We have a two and a half lead in the conference and a one game lead in the entire league for the best record. Do you yep. think right now on the spot, the Bucks finish with the best record in the NBA? Yeah. I do too. I do too. Um, over their last 17 games, I think they're going to be somewhere in that 12 wins, mm-hmm. maybe 13, depending on, on how they structure some of their. Um, their rest or injury maintenance games. Um, but over the last 17, 16 games, I think they're going to win around 12 to 13 of them. So that's where I'm at. And like I said, um, when asking, when Bob asked about the potential to go on another long win streak, if there's a scenario where the Bucks have a three game lead on, on second place that I, you know, if there's four games left, like, I don't think they're going to be super concerned about it. No, I don't think so either. Um, I do think after they lose the back-to-back that I think they're going to lose. I don't want it. I think they're going to go on another little run, maybe another five, six-game win streak, uh, pad that lead a little bit. Boston's reeling, although with Boston reeling right now, it might be the time just to be like, all right, let's get this let's get this motherfucker up to four or five that we can start worrying about. Yeah, rest. and kind of just take the wind out of the sails. Um, I would still like to have the best record overall. I mm-hmm. do still think we're going to finish with the best record in the conference 100%. Yep. But best record overall, Denver does want that, I feel, more than the Bucks, But we'll see what happens. See, the thing with, with the Western Conference is, is it's not as separate as the Eastern Conference is. So there's going to be a lot of teams in the West that are going to be playing Denver and needing to win games. True. So they're going to get their, they're going to get a lot of teams' best shots True. a lot. I'm not saying that the Bucks aren't, but like teams are going to be more – Desperate and hungry against Denver than they are against the Bucks. Facts. All right. Anything else you wanted to say? 
on Wisconsin. Let's get it done. Right, yeah, we wanted to get everybody out in time to go watch the Badger game. We are going to be watching as well. So go Badgers. Let's rattle off a couple of wins and let's get into the tournament and, and make some noise and see what happens. Yes, sir. All righty. I will see you next week. Unless something crazy happens with Aaron Rodgers in the next two days, then we'll probably be doing something on Friday night. But if not, I will see you next Wednesday. All right. See you later, buddy. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.